Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. The final of Super Rugby is upon us with the Crusaders expected to make it three titles in a row. However, their opponents are probably happy to be underdogs. The Black Caps will be delighted to still be in contention at the World Cup after three straight losses, but we would all have to agree that a bit of luck has helped them so far. And Europe is the centre of world sport at the moment, with cricket, football, tennis and netball all in the headlines. We'll talk about some of those sports shortly with Clay Wilson and Ravinda Hunia. But first, the Crusaders are clear favourites to win their third straight Super Rugby title when they take on the Huguarias of Argentina in Christchurch on Saturday. Two losses and three draws for the top of the table red and blacks this season, while the Huguarias topped the South African Conference and then went on to beat the Chiefs and Brumbies in the playoffs. Our rugby reporter Joe Porter is covering the game in Christchurch. And Joe, can you see any way the Huguarias can win this game? Look, I mean, the rank outsiders, I think they're paying about five bucks or something like that at the bookies, and you'd have to, have to, you know, it, there's nothing other than a Crusaders win that I can really picture happening on Saturday night. However, they do have a chance. They've got a puncher's chance, just like anyone. They're in form. They've won 11 of their last 12 games. They're essentially an Argentinian test side. They've even added a few, a few more Argentinian test players to their side this week weekend and a, to boost their experience. They'll bring a lot of passion, a lot of emotion. They've got a, lots of Argentinian fans apparently landing in the country today and tomorrow to, to really give them some added support in the crowd. And we all know how their flair and, and our noise will, I guess, outpassion the New Zealand fans, you'd imagine. So that will give, give them a boost. They've got nothing to lose. They're already heroes back in their home country for making the Super Rugby final for the first time. So they can cover themselves in glory now by beating the Crusaders in what would be, you know, a, a massive boil over. So there's a chance there and they have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So the Crusaders will be wary. They have to stick to their guns and not let, I guess, the fast start of this Argentinian Hayuarez side come out and, and rattle them. They've got to absorb that pressure like a typical Crusader side does, strike when they make mistakes and strike on the counter-attack. And I assume that's probably what will happen, but you just never know. It is rugby after all, and the wet weather that's lingering around and could happen on Saturday could also turn it into a bit more like a, a test grudge match. So I'm expecting it to be somewhat low-scoring compared to other affairs. Yeah, I was quite impressed with the uh, Argentinians in that win over the Brumbies. They controlled the uh, ball really well, and it, it was an excellent, well-controlled game. As you say, with the conditions, uh, I mean, what, what do the Crusaders have to do to make it three in a row? Is it just hold on to the ball and, you know, sort of play the percentages until the opportunity arises? I think in finals rugby, that's, it kind of does boil down to, to percentage plays. They will kick for territory. They'll put pressure on defensively. Defence wins finals. They'll put pressure on the Hayuaras defensively and try and force them into making mistakes when, when the Argentinians have the ball in hand and then strike on the counter-attack like we know the Crusaders are so good at. Set-piece will be crucial. 
The, uh, the Crusaders should be should be fine there. Of course, they've got ten or eleven All Blacks in their side, most of whom are up front. So you know, imagine the Argentinians will target the line out in the set piece. So the Crusaders will have to match them there, at least gain parity, and, and if they can gain dominance, which you'd imagine they would with an All Blacks pack versus an Argentinian pack, almost then they should be able to control the game from there with Richie Mwanga being a very good directional first five. He'll put the ball in the corners and, like I say, they'll probably force the Argentinians into turnovers or penalties and, and win a, a fairly low-scoring game. Uh, they're without Scott Barrett and Ryan Crotty, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, you sort of wouldn't expect them to skip a beat, really. Not really. You look at Braden Enor who comes in. I mean, any other Super Rugby franchise, he'd probably be starting. The midfield, we're a little bit blessed at the moment for Tenor, aren't we, across the country. Um, yeah, he looks he looks the goods, and he comes in to replace Ryan Crotty, who's, of course, a shame for him. He misses out on his last ever game for the Crusaders, a real stalwart of the of the club down here and, and a veteran for the All Blacks too, and, and a good bloke, and he has his last... Uh, he's got a traditional dinner he hosts every Friday night, apparently, with some of the Crusaders boys, and it'll be the last one tonight, so that's quite special. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, Jack, Jack Goodhue, of course, another All Black moves into second five. I don't think they'll miss a beat there. And with Scott Barrett out, they could have brought Luke Romano, another former All Black, on, but they went for young um, uh, young Mitch Dunshay, who apparently has been in some pretty good form. Um, so, like you say, they've just got so many good players, so much depth. They won't miss a beat. Their side's been so consistent. And, um, you know, I think Scott Robertson will have, have the guys in the right frame of mind to, to go about their business. And uh, everyone probably all knows our allegiance, but, you know, uh, supporting a (laughs) a New Zealand side when it comes to a final. And as far as Argentina is concerned, you know, if you put them in order for me, that teams you don't want to lose to, it's South Africa, Australia, and then... And then perhaps yes. uh, Argentina. So it would be great if, oh, if, yeah. uh, if think, for some if, reason look, they got it. I'm not a, a Crusaders fan, and I expect them to win. And I'd like a New Zealand team to win. And I like the Crusaders three pit, and I like Scott Robertson. So I, I, I think it would be great. But the story is almost better if the, if the Aguaris get up and, and upset them and become the first Argentinian side to do it and really shake the world of Super Rugby. So that would be a, a great news story too. So either way, I'm fairly happy, Baza. And Clay, uh, your thoughts? Uh, anyway, the Crusaders are going to lose. I actually think this game's going to be a little bit closer than people expect, but I just can't see the Crusaders losing at home is the main thing. I mean, yes, obviously they've got a lot, a lot of class, but I don't know what it is, Joe. Is it 29 or 30 games down 30 there? 30 now, yeah. Yeah, 30 games at that uh, ground, and that's that really the deciding factor for me. I think if this game had been perhaps mm. over in Buenos mm. Aires, maybe you say that it's a 50-50 bet, but yeah, you're hearing Steve Hansen talk about the Jaguares yesterday and Argentinian rugby in general. He was, had a lot of praise for him and he prays for them sorry and he thinks this game's going to be a lot closer than people expect and I tend to agree with him I mean it's such a quality Haguarius side stacked mm. with Argentinian uh, international players who've got a lot of experience and we've seen what they've done I mean they finished a season with what eight wins in a row yep. or something like that so um, I, I do see it being a lot closer but uh, I, I think the Crusaders having home advantage is perhaps the deciding factor here your thoughts, Joe, just on this uh, Super Rugby season in general. Did did it lose a little bit of gloss um, because it's a World Cup year? I think they always do. I think people are less interested in Super Rugby when it's a World Cup year. Uh, New Zealand rugby fans, anyway, uh, it's, you know... The All Blacks are the ultimate, and a World Cup really means a lot to New Zealand rugby fans. For whatever reason, the history behind it, it, it means more than anything else. Um, I think it means more than Olympic gold in most sports as well. I, I, yeah, so I really think that Super Rugby does sort of take a little bit of a wane, <laughs> wane in this kind of a year. However, it'll mean a lot for the Crusaders and for Christchurch and Canterbury to win. They've had a tough year down here, and any kind of positive news and anything to, to, to grab onto and to boost morale in a city that's um, struggling a little bit with its sense of pride would be really, really good.
Yes, Clay, you were uh, at the uh, All Black squad naming this week, uh, a few new faces, um, but generally everyone there that was to be expected, and it, it, it's a big squad to, to start with, so perhaps you know those that did miss out were, were more notable. Yeah, perhaps so. Uh, obviously, with the Crusaders being in this week's Super Rugby final and Steve Henson and the coaching staff not wanting to take most of those Crusaders to Argentina for this first game, it was always going to be a big squad. We did see a, perhaps a few more surprises than some would have expected, the likes of Luke Jacobson coming in. But that, of course, was a result of Liam Squire, perhaps, and his decision to opt out because of fitness and personal reasons. But the likes of Brad Webber coming back was expected. Sevi Reese and Braden in or the two other um, new caps, uh, they were always mooted to be in and about selection. So I guess what we'll see is in this game in Argentina, we'll see some of those perhaps uh, more lowly capped and perhaps a couple of these new uh, Newcaps get uh, a run and then moving forward into South Africa and into the Australian tests we'll see perhaps more uh, a more refined squad that'll be closer to what the World Cup squad will be but certainly plenty of interest in that All Black squad and enough to keep uh, not only fans but also the media um, around interested as well. Riven Dahunia is covering uh, events for us in Britain and she's been around New Zealanders for the last uh, week or 10 days. Ravinder, have they mentioned uh, the Super Rugby final, um, some of these fans in Britain? And is anyone, are you going to get the opportunity to see the game? Yeah, hey guys. Uh, no, there hasn't been any talk of the Super Rugby. I did at the game the other day, though, here in New Zealand to say go the Chiefs. Uh, wasn't quite sure where he was going with that, but um, there's been no Super Rugby talk over here. And I'm not quite sure where I would go to watch it, to be honest. Oh, any, any pub will probably do, Ravinda, but you're far too busy for that because we were talking of World Cups and you're there, uh, you've been watching the Cricket World Cup and you arrived in time to see probably two of the worst performances by the Black Caps. <laughs> yes, I've already been dubbed by a few of my Kiwi friends as the jinx uh, since I got here, although they did already lose a game before I got here. <laughs> Your thoughts on them, though? I mean, um, what's your feeling? I haven't seen those two uh, defeats, and, of course, we saw the one before as well. You know, they're going to make it into the semifinals, but do you give them any chance? My heart says yes, but my mind, based on current form, uh, really says no. The Black Caps are under scrutiny today. We were just talking to the coach today uh, up at their hotel, and, uh, you know, media were asking them, you know, are you guilty of... Um, setting the goalpost at making a semi-final rather than um, winning the whole thing, you know, after a great start to the competition. And, and Gary said, you know, he says, no, you know, the semi-final was always the first goal and, and to make the semi-final now we hit a reset button. But based on the current form, uh, I think the English game really was the opportunity for New Zealand to show some sort of momentum, show some sort of growth and getting back into winning ways. And it, it didn't happen for them. In fact, it was probably their worst performance, worse than Lords. So it's hard to say that, you know, there would be a chance against an informed Australia side if they meet them in the semi final at this stage. Yeah, I think we saw Ravinda in that England game, perhaps not quite the the, the exact difference, but it's probably what I expected before the, the tournament. I didn't expect us to lose to England by that much, but to lose against the likes of Australia, um, perhaps the Pakistan one wasn't quite expected, but to lose uh, four, three three games during the, the group stages, it's probably what I would have predicted for this team. Obviously, the likes of England and India were always predicted to do 
well. Uh, Australia came in with great form and have obviously been almost the form team of the tournament. And we were always going to be probably fighting for that fourth spot with the likes of Pakistan and South Africa, of course, have had a poor tournament. But I think it was that that, that uh, great start we had perhaps gave people a false sense of the quality of this team. Obviously played the likes of Sri Lanka, Bangladesh and Afghanistan. To get away like that, um, you know, the, although, although those teams can't be underestimated, um, perhaps didn't show the, the real level of this Black Caps team. Um, so we will see in a semi-final uh, if they can step up. But uh, certainly based on current form, you wouldn't be expecting a huge amount. Where are they lacking clay and can they make changes that would uh, help them in a semi-final? Well, I think batting is clearly where there's been the lack of production. Um, I heard a number yesterday that Kane Williamson's scored a third of the team's runs across the eight games they've played. So um, outside of Ross Taylor, who has got an 80 and a 69 early in the tournament, uh, nothing else of note from him. Of course, Martin Guptill's uh, struggles at the top are well-documented a 70 in the first game against Sri Lanka, and then nothing, I think, past 35 since then. Colin Munro obviously got tried, tried and tried and failed to fight. Henry Nichols has come in. Two innings um, for nothing. Um, Latham, no runs until that 50 he got in the last game against England. So uh, otherwise, outside of a couple of contributions from the all-rounders, Nisham de Gronholm, there really has been a lack of production outside of Williamson with the bat. The bowling has definitely been the strength. Um, only a couple of the bowling performances I can think of where they've perhaps had moments where they've been under real pressure. But it's just that production and the batting. That's where um, the likes of Williamson and to a lesser degree Taylor need support. The likes of Guptill, uh, Nichols, Latham uh, these types of guys. We need runs from them if we're going to beat one of these bigger teams. Ravinda uh, despite you know New Zealand's uh, chances for the rest of the tournament, it's been a great uh, tournament. Ten teams, round robin and uh, just the crowds. I mean, I, I think I said a few weeks ago on this program that it's the ideal place to have a cricket World Cup because of the ethnic groups that now live in Britain. For for many of them, it, it's almost like playing at home. Yeah, definitely. And each, oh, I've, respectively, I've only been to, to two games in two very different are looking crowds and even if their teams aren't playing they're still at the games I when I was at Lords and it was New Zealand playing Australia you had um, Indian West Indian uh, Pakistani um, fans still there coming in in droves and you know picking their team that they're going to support on that day so it's really quite um, the festival vibe at these games which is really awesome to see in terms of the turnout there have been a couple of comments though that um, over the last couple of weeks when English when the English weren't probably doing so well, um, they were scrutinised for not having uh, faith in the English team. But a, a few people in the public have told me that um, that there's been so much cricket going on that the tournament has gone on for so long that they're kind of cricketed out here in England, the England people themselves. But um, when you talk about these other ethnicities and things like that with their teams in town and in the country, they just all want to be a part of it. Um, there's cricket um, kind of like uh, ICC stations uh, around the country as well. So even if you're not at the games, you're experiencing the game in some sort of capacity. So it's been a great way for the nation to come together, these other ethnicities as well as the English. And you talked about Lords. Uh, what was the experience like there? They, you know, they obviously uh, let women reporters in. You weren't uh, subject to anything. You know, I'm looking at all the traditions and those sorts of things there. Did you have a dress code or anything you had to follow? 
Look, the first thing I asked, and because of what you had already told me, was is there a dress code? Obviously, the day before I went there, they were having a training session, and it was very relaxed. But you know, the next day there were some rules put in place. Um, we were allowed to dress casually, and I didn't have to go in nine-inch heels or anything like that. But there were sections of the stadium that I couldn't go to because I wasn't wearing. Um, the appropriate footwear or a pencil uh, skirt, which was quite interesting. That's new, a <laughs> new experience for me. But uh, when I got there, I was in the front row in the media box. I think there were maybe three female journalists there and amongst about 35 um, to 40 uh, journalists in total. But no, there were no restrictions. There were no um, – all three of us were, in fact, in that front row. And, um, yeah, it was happy days. And treated very much like uh, our male counterparts, which was really nice, despite uh, all the comments that I had received uh, to be wary of before I arrived there. Yeah, even the most traditional of venues and stadiums have to move into the 21st century, I guess. <laughs> Ravinda, <laughs> uh, you talked about some of the uh, interest in the in the cricket, but of course uh, the Brits had the opportunity to be thinking football earlier this week and also tennis. There's uh, There's a lot going on. Well, especially with the FIFA uh, Women's Football World Cup, when England weren't doing too well in the cricket, all eyes were on uh, the Lionesses, of course, and their run to the semi-final. Unfortunately, they they lost that semi-final 2-1 to the USA, but great to see in their tabloids and uh, on BBC Sport and um, everyone talking about um, you know this Women's Football World Cup. Everyone took it very seriously. Um, and, yeah, it was great to see the nation behind their teams. Um, obviously, you would have heard at their recent music festival, you know, it was at a standstill to watch um, their, the Lionesses uh, play, which was really cool to see. And then uh, England beat India, so that was really exciting, people jumping back on the cricket train, but then Wimbledon arrived, so attention, attention quickly um, <laughs> turned that way, and, then there was a 15-year-old superstar beating Venus Williams, and that trumped the cricket again. But um, you know, since England's you know recent win over New Zealand, the cricket's taking the centre stage again. So it's it's been all happening over here. Oh well, there's uh, plenty to watch, but uh, Clay will be watching with most interest for the cricket for the next few days. Um, what what do you see on the horizon, Clay? Well, despite their form, I don't have really any doubt that the Black Caps can win a one-off game against Australia or India, who are going to be their opponents in the semi-final. My doubt is whether they can win two of those big games in a row. I'm not sure we quite have the quality to do that. We've certainly got to the players, and if we have the right mindset on Tuesday night in the semi-final, there's no doubt we can we can win that uh, if certain players step up. Um, I guess it'll be interesting to see also what kind of changes are going to be made. We know one for sure, Lockie Ferguson, of course, missed that England game uh, as a precaution with a hamstring niggle. He'll come back in. You have to think that's at the expense of Tim Southey. He was quite expensive against England, and that was his only game of the tournament, so he's simply lacking game time. And the other name that's being thrown around is the leg spinner, Ish Sodi, whether he'll come back in. I guess it depends what the wicket presents at Old Trafford in Manchester. Um, long square boundaries, though, which is good for a spinner, so that could come into it. And also they'll remember against that first loss against Pakistan where they didn't play Saudi and the ball turned and then, of course, they had to admit that there was a mistake not to play him. So perhaps they'll bring him back in and that would probably be at the expense of one of the all-rounders, most likely Colin de Gronholm, given the form of Jimmy Neesham with both bat and ball. So 
one, maybe two changes we'll see, and then definitely give them a chance against Australia or India. Um, and then, then the big, really big question is if they can get through that, um, can they can they win a final? I think perhaps not, but um, certainly a chance to to make the final in a one off one off game um, on Tuesday night. Fingers crossed. Uh, thanks, Clay. Ravinda, uh, you'll, after the cricket, be covering the netball. We won't get into too much detail here, but you'll be uh, looking forward to that. The Silver Ferns flew out this week. Uh, Katrina Rory has gone with them, but there's still a bit of doubt over whether she'll get to play. Yeah, and that's a bit of a worry uh, for the Silver Ferns, in my opinion. Coming off the ANZ Premiership season, her side, of course, won the title, and she was in red-hot form. So, um to know that she's questionable at the moment does make you a little bit nervous. Uh, I was looking at her Instagram today and she was talking about how she's still recovering. So whether or not she'll be able to, to get her on court uh, is another is another thing. Um, Michaela Sokolich-Beetson, of course, has travelled over with the Silver Ferns in case Katrina can't make the court. But here's hoping that <laughs> the stars finally align for Katrina Rore, who she doesn't have the best of luck with the Silver Ferns squad. Okay, Ravinda, thank you very much. Looking forward to your coverage over the next uh, few weeks. That's extra time for this week. My thanks to Joe Porter, Ravinda Hunia and Clay Wilson. You can follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.